1: of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you, and well, we have a less enthusiastic podcast today, thanks in large part to a poor performance by our beloved Chicago Bears against the Oakland Raiders across the pond in London, just didn't work out, and the Chicago Bears find themselves on the wrong end of that one and drop to 3-2 and two, heading into their bye week. And that was bumpy for a lot of reasons, and I think the top of it was, I think most Bears fans kind of assumed that they would win this one, and why not? The Raiders are, are an up-and-down team. There's a lot of question marks about that team. John Gruden and Mike Mayock have not exactly put together an exhilarating roster. It's an improved one from where they were a year ago but it's not exactly a juggernaut, but let's let's just be honest. The Chicago Bears uh, were not ready to play this one, and, and they lost. So to me, the biggest issue with this game, and it's not like I'm, I'm reinventing the wheel here, but this game comes down to the trenches, and it comes down to the trenches on both sides of the football. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this Raiders game because these games in London are weird. We've seen... Bad teams beat better teams frequently over there because things are strange. You want to blame the jet lag, and maybe Matt Nagy should have had him going over earlier. You want to blame press clippings. Whatever you want to blame, go ahead. I am not going to worry about what the reason was for why they came out flat. Bottom line is they came out flat. They lost the game in the trenches, both sides of the football. Uh, now defensively, and I'm not saying this is the reason they lost, but the Oakland Raiders in that game were terrible in terms of doing illegal chop blocks. It happened constantly. It happened to Eddie Goldman constantly. And that is a dangerous move. Richie Incognito was the one leading the charge on that one. Surprise, surprise! One of the dirtiest, nastiest players in the NFL. He should be out of the league and should have been a long time ago. But somehow, this guy just keeps surviving like a virus. If you if you look, Rich Campbell from the from the Chicago Tribune. If you look at some of the videos that were posted, I mean, you see shots on Eddie Goldman's legs that really could have injured him. So I'm almost more angry at that than I am about the loss. And, And the refs did call it a couple times. And again, like I said, this is not about losing because of the chop blocks. This is about injuring a player. A guy like Eddie Goldman, a big guy like that, you tear his ACL. That is very difficult for him to come back from something like this. Not only are you going to lose him this year, you're going to lose an effective Eddie Goldman for next year. It's a devastating injury for someone like Eddie Goldman, and you just can't have that kind of Bush League play, and the NFL needs to do something about it. Because here's the thing. There were enough of these blocks that this was just not Richie Incognito elbowing one of the other offensive linemen goes, all right, you you, you get up in, in in Goldman there, you engage in him, and I'm, I'm going to take him out. Like, th- that was not what was going on here. This was pretty systematic throughout the game, which to me means one of two things. Either the coaching staff is encouraging it, or the coaching staff knows their players are doing these chop blocks, and turning a blind eye. Either way, it's nasty. But there is no way that John Gruden and his staff isn't aware, watching game film, that this is what the Raiders do. I haven't watched enough Raider football to know what they've done in September in terms of chop blocking. But what I saw there, there's no way the Raiders coaching staff did not know about that. That was terrible. That pissed me off. Now, regardless of those chop blocks, the Raiders' offensive line controlled the trenches, and really ran the ball down their throats, which was hard to see. The Bears had been dominating the running game. In fact, they still, despite Josh Jacobs' big game, have have the third best uh, yards per carry against of any teams in the NFL. So they're still great against the run despite that performance. But the bottom line for me is, They let the Raiders run the football. The Raiders got out to a huge lead, and I get it. The Bears had a great comeback in the third quarter, but it was too little too late. A lot of people want to blame Kevin Pierre-Lewis, and I get it. If that penalty doesn't happen, the Bears probably hold on and win that one. But I'm just going to say it this way. The Bears did not deserve to win that one. The Raiders outplayed them. The Raiders' defensive front, which is not good, it is not talented, dominated the Chicago Bears' offensive line, and that's where I want to focus right now, is the Chicago Bears offensive line. In short, the Bears offensive line, to me, is the biggest reason that this offense has regressed to the point where it has and has not developed. I understand people want to blame Mitch Trubisky. I understand people want to blame Matt Nagy. The Mitch Trubisky supporters now want to blame Chase Daniel. I get all that. Ah, they they should not got rid of Jordan Howard. Look at what he's doing in Philly. Look at David Montgomery. I hear all this. But to me, An offense cannot execute when the offensive line is playing the way that this team's offensive line is performing right now. The offensive line is bad. It is not average. It is not below average. It is bad. As far as I can tell, it's one of the worst in the league right now. They're not opening up holes for Montgomery. When Montgomery is making plays, he's making them on his own. He's making people miss. He's driving through tackles. That's what David Montgomery is doing. Now, maybe he needs to take more two yard gains instead of looking for four, five, six yards every time. Maybe that's, that's a rookie and he needs to learn to do that, but he's doing that a lot because he is desperate to try and find a running lane. And he is not finding them because they are not there on the pass blocking. The pass blocking is not good either. Chase Daniel should not have had as much pressure as he faced against this Raiders team. Now, Here's many problems. Bobby Massey is up and down. But the Bobby Massey I've seen lately is much closer to the Bobby Massey that we saw several years ago when he first signed with the Bears. Massey has been much better the last couple years. Massey was not good as we know that first year in Chicago. I'm seeing more of that Bobby Massey. Now, the thing about Bobby Massey is... He was always kind of the weakest link on the offensive line, but when you had Kyle Long at a Pro Bowl level, and Cody Whitehair at a Pro Bowl level, and James Daniels playing well, and Charles Leno playing very well, didn't really matter as much because Massey's weakness, if if, if that's your worst offensive lineman, you got a pretty good offensive line. But now we're seeing Charles Leno having a lot of problems and we're going to get into that with Lester Wiltfong from Windy City Gridiron, the grand poobah of the website. He's going to talk offensive line with us here coming up shortly. But Leno is, is he's struggling, and I think a lot of Leno's problems, I'm sure there's some technique issues, but a lot of Leno's problems are in his head. Penalties, just, you know, missed assignments. Charles Leno is not playing well, and I don't know what the deal is. I know Charles Leno said he's going to look at himself in the mirror and figure things out during the bye. That needs to happen. If Charles Leno can improve... And Massey can improve a little bit because I think the two of them can kind of buckle down, work with Harry Hestand, focus themselves. I think they can get their problems fixed. White Hair and Daniels have not been bad. They haven't been fantastic, but they've been pretty good. I don't have a problem with what I've seen mostly from White Hair and Daniels. But, and I've discussed this on this podcast, I discussed this with Olin Krutz, I've tweeted about it, and I'm going to make it a focal point here right now. And you hate to say these things, but this is the hard reality of the NFL. Kyle Long is beyond a problem at this point. He is just a, a, an anchor. He, I don't want to say he's single-handedly destroying the offense, but sometimes it feels that way. Now, the, the quarterback needs to play better. Matt Nagy needs to call better plays. Montgomery needs to be better. The tight ends need to be better. Everyone needs to improve across the offensive board, but the biggest issue facing this team right now is the offensive line, and the biggest issue on that offensive line is Kyle Long. And I don't think Kyle Long is going to get healthy if that's what you want to say the problem is, because I don't think Kyle Long's health is the issue. I think Kyle Long's body has betrayed him. I don't think Kyle Long's body can... I don't think he can move. He has lost lateral quickness. He has lost... Speed. He he is just not the same player at all anymore. Look, it's hyperbole. I get that. Kyle Long may be the worst starting offensive lineman in the NFL. It's possible. He's playing that poorly. He's, even when on pass blocking, when he's keeping his guy in front of him, he's in the quarterback's lap. He is missing blocks constantly. He cannot pull. He is a disaster when he pulls. He is it just... It's a mess in there, and you need to have the tough conversation here during the bye. You need to tell Kyle Long that they're going to put him on IR, and you need to sit him down for the rest of the year. Then Kyle Long in December can make an announcement that he's going to retire from the NFL. The Bears' final home game, they can trot him out before the game. The crowd can give him a standing ovation. He deserves it. Kyle Long is a great Chicago Bear. He's one of my favorite Chicago Bears that I've had the pleasure to watch over the last 42 years of my life. But... It is time. I, I, I've mentioned this to a few people, and, you know, for some of the younger people, you, you may not realize this. Willie Mays, all-time great baseball player, New York slash San Francisco Giants. Willie Mays finished his career on the New York Mets. He was 42, 43 years old. He couldn't play anymore. The Giants said, you can't play anymore. He said, I'm playing somewhere. The Mets decided to keep, to, to keep him on the team. He was terrible, falling down in the outfield, struggling every which way. And that's what Kyle Long is right now. He just... His body's betrayed him. He cannot play anymore. And these Chicago Bears have to make the tough decision and sit him down. Because it doesn't matter if it's Rashad Carr. It doesn't matter if it's Ted Larson. I'll even go out on a limb and say it doesn't matter if it's Alex Bars. I think all of them are probably better than Kyle Long at this point. They need to make that move. And if they make that move and get a little better guard play and get Leno to improve... If they can get better offensive line, which is a terrible line now, if that can become an average, I'm not asking for good, an average offensive line where we can get a different look at this offense, get a different feel for the team, and maybe instead of this team, in my eyes, being 3-2, and two, but look, feeling worse than their record, they can start feeling better than their record and really get on a roll like they did last year. They need more help from the offense. It's got to start with the offensive line, improve there, improve elsewhere, and get this thing on the road. It's a good time for a bye week. It really is. You never like the bye weeks this early, but the Chicago Bears need a bye week right now. They need Trubisky to get healthy. They need to reassess the offensive line. Hicks is banged up. The defense could use a couple weeks off after that bad performance. So this bye comes at the right time, and we'll see what happens here. In, in a little over a week against the New Orleans Saints. All right, we are going to take a quick break. And when we return, we will talk with Windy City Gridiron's executive editor, Lester Wiltfong, right on the other side of this break. This is Bears Banter, we'll be right back. Now, let's get to our guest here, and here he is as promised. He is the Grand Poobah, the executive editor the president, the champion, the whatever you want to call him, of Windy City Gridiron. He's the straw that stirs the drink. How's that? He's Lester Wiltfong, and he joins (laughs) us now. Lester, how are you? Doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. And, you know, I want to get into a lot of things with you here, especially – wanted to have you on especially to talk offensive line because that's where a lot of my focus is right now on this team. But before we get into the offensive line overall and and where this team needs to go moving forward here after the bye – Let's talk a little bit about the Oakland Raider game cuz I think I think the reason this stings so much is not so much because they lost a football game and are now 3 and 2 it's because once they lost to the Packers and got to 3 and 1 and that Raider game was sitting there on a neutral site that counted as a road game I think we all kind of chalked up a victory before the game.
0: Yeah, I'm not, I'm like you. I mean, I looked at that game and you know, the Raiders I mean the offensive line is is a decent offensive line but it is not as good as it looked on Sunday. And then the the same goes for the other side of the ball. I mean the Bears offensive line got owned by the Raiders defensive line. I mean that game was won by the Raiders in the trenches and it's it's pretty sad because they're going into the season, you know, we assumed the Bears offensive line would be pretty good. You know, we 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 knew the Bears defensive line was going to be really good, but in this game against the Raiders in London, they got owned. They they really did and and
1: it was Really jarring to see, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And we'll we'll get to a little bit of the strategy of the Raiders' offensive line next. But it's putting aside some of the things they may have been doing that may have been breaking the rules of the NFL, on the defensive side of the ball, when we saw how dominant this defense was for the first month of the season, seeing an Oakland Raider team... Take the football and shove it down their throats the way they did. And I get it with the Hicks injury. I get it that Nichols was out. You know, I I understand all that. But even with that, the way Nick Williams was playing and and, and everything else, what we saw should not have happened under any any
0: circumstances. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure what was going on there with the Bears. You know, a lot of people think that it had some sort of jet lag. You know, I'm not so sure. I mean, this is, I mean, the Bears are in the same schedule most teams go on. They fly out, you know, a, a few days early. You know the Raiders are the ones that really bucked the trend here and they threw out the Sunday after their game in Indianapolis. So I mean, I mean the Bears would have won the and then the, the the fans of the Raiders would have said it was because the Raiders fought too early. So who knows if that's what has anything to do with it. But I just thought the Bears got they got outclassed. You know, for whatever reason the the, the Bears the defensive linemen they were getting a little too high. They're getting they were getting taken off the ball. You know, you allude to some of the some of the 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 illegal you know, cut locks right here doing that had to be in their heads a little bit as well. So just from, from every man on that D-line, the just got owned. It was pretty sad to see him. Another thing I want to think is the, the reason the Bears, they're a little short on the D-line, but I was surprised they did not have Abdullah Anderson active. Um, they, they put him back down the practice spot a week prior, and they kept Jonathan Harris up. Who so Jonathan Harris, I don't think is good as good against the run as Abdullah Anderson was. I thought it was kind of weird with the Raiders. Obviously, going to try to run the ball with, with the rookie Jacobs. You know why not keep Anderson on the on the roster since he is a little better against the run.
1: I hadn't thought of that. That that's a really good point, and you have to you have to wonder if maybe that would have helped a little bit because I mean, look, as as bad as they played, and and you can point to the Kevin Pierre Lewis penalty, whatever you want to do. As bad as they played, thanks to that burst they had for about 10 minutes in the third quarter. It was still a game they could have won, and, and that's, I think, what's what adds to the frustration. But but I alluded to it, and you alluded to it, and let, let's get to it here. Richie incognito, and just not incognito, that, that offensive line, with it, it wasn't just once or twice. The amount of illegal cut blocking, really dangerous cut blocking at Eddie Goldman's knees and some of the other players on the Bears' defense was really jarring and upsetting to see.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that that's part of the zone-blocking scheme when it was invented. That was part of it. The backside cut block that was prevalent in all zone-blocking schemes. Um, but then as kind of the, the years went on with the scheme there, uh, the NFL outlawed the, the cut block when you have a, a defensive player engaged. And that's what we saw against the Raiders. There were several times when, when the, the Bears' most tackle, Eddie Goldman, was engaged with an, with an offensive lineman, and then the backside guard kind of, kind of went uh, right at his knees. That's illegal. It's unsafe. You know, the Bears uh, are really fortunate that no one got hurt there, and the Raiders only got flagged once. I'm sure the, the Bears uh, had, had, had some them to the league office because there were at least four times that I could think of off, off, off my head that it happened, and, uh, including on, on the one touchdown run they had there. It was the same exact thing. He got cut as he was engaged, and that's just not right.
1: No, it's it's not right. It really bothered me, and I, and I just said in my, my opening thoughts, it almost bothered me more than the loss because – it's not just Richie incognito because I think most NFL fans know who Richie incognito is. And you know, he, he, the kind of stunts that he pulls. So putting it aside about that, it, it was happening enough to me that if you ask me whether it was encouraged by Gruden's coaching staff or either they knew it was happening and just kind of turned a blind eye to it goes, Oh I, you know, I I don't know what's going on to me. That can't be happening with that level of frequency and the coaching staff not knowing. So when it becomes an organizational thing, it really goes next level to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that, like I said, that's something that's, that's always happening in, in, in the ZBS. It's just how it's always been taught. It kind of kept, got, got uh, taken out of it a little bit with, with the penalty. So the back kick stuff, I understand, but when it's happening in the middle of the line, you know, right there on the nose tackle, I mean, that's, that's, I'm a little shocked it wasn't caught more than the one time it was, but that's definitely something that's caught. And that's just not something that, they, that those guys are doing on their own. You know, that's just a technique they use. And, and, and it's possible that they weren't trying to do it when the guy was engaged, but he clearly was engaged almost every single time the cup block came. So whether that goes on, the, on the, the center for not disengaging, whether that goes on just the, the, the flow of the game, it just kind of happened. But whatever it was, they, they never got caught, so they never stopped.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and look, I mean, we know how important Eddie Goldman is to the destruction of other teams run running game. He's excellent at doing it. And I don't know if that was kind of a strategy to maybe try and throw Goldman off his game. I I don't know what was happening, but it, but it really bothered me and, and we don't need to dwell on it because I don't think that's the reason the bears lost the football game. No, So I'm not, I'm not trying to put blame on that, but the fact that that was happening against, against, you know, our favorite football team was, was really problematic to me. So as, as we continue to talk trenches, let's, let's switch over to the other side of the football and let's talk Chicago Bears offensive line because to me this offense has a lot of problems you want to talk about the quarterback play fair you want to talk about David Montgomery maybe not you know running exactly where he should on certain plays fair you want to talk about Matt Nagy's play calling fair but to me this boils down the the biggest issue facing this team boils down to the performance of this offensive line
0: yeah, I mean, I say it all the time. You know, football is won and lost in the trenches. If you have a good offensive line, you have a, a much better chance to win. And, and and I thought the Bears would have at least a top-ten unit coming into this season. You know, but from week one, we did not see that. I mean, the, the first weekend was uh, some of the problems with, with uh, uh, Daniels and Whitehair, the switch. They seem like they're taking advantage of the Packers, that is, taking advantage of those guys being new at the position. And, and, they, and they kind of beat them on some stunts and some blitzes. But then, you know, they got things straightened out, but then – the other three guys in the line the last few weeks have not been up to par. Uh, Kyle Long, you know, it's, it's, it's terrible to see him because I was a huge Kyle Long fan. I still am. You know, it's just but he's just not playing like he should. I don't know if it's an injury. I don't know if it's just the whole the whole collection of injuries have, have finally caught up to him. He isn't looking like the same player. And then the tackles, you know, they're giving him far too many pressures this year as well. And there's there's got to be something that changes uh, this during the bye week, whether that's Long with the bench. Whether that's that's uh, just the, the players, you know, doing some self-scouting and trying to, you know, get better. Because besides Long, they're all still relatively young. Yeah,
1: a- absolutely. And and we'll we'll get to Kyle Long in a second here because I really want to dive onto some of the problems that he's having. And, and I agree with you. I think I think Whitehair and Daniels where, where they are right now is pretty good. Yeah, there's room for improvement, but where they yeah. are is pretty good. The tackle situation, to me. Bobby look when Bobby Massey first came aboard here he had a lot of issues I still remember watching him in that Houston Texans game which was his first game with the Bears and he just looked like I said like a clumsy elephant I you know yeah. I just, it was just it was a terrible performance you know Charles Leno has been a guy who's improved every year and on top of that Massey the last couple of years has been a much better player than he was early on in his Bears career and both of them have have regressed Significantly, So let, let's go one at a time here. With Leno, I think a lot of it is is a lot of mental mistakes, what I'm seeing with certain penalties and missed assignments and things like that. Is it is it just mental mistakes, or do you think there's some other problems going on with Leno?
0: You know, I, I think it's mostly mental to a point. Um, I don't think there's any physical as far as the injury goes with Leno. But what I'm seeing with Leno as opposed to years in the past, he's not moving his feet. You know, Charles Leno was not on that line to be a baller. He's not known for his strength to the point of attack. He's known for his quickness. And if he doesn't play with quick feet, then he's got a problem because if he can't get there in front of you, he's going to have to hold you. He's going to have to hook you. Um, if he can't get there in front of you, then he's going to lose the edge. I, I'm not the pass block rep. So for whatever reason is this year, he's just not moving his feet right. Then that's something that could be corrected. Maybe he has to go back to the film to watch himself. Maybe he needs to be smacked in the face with some bad film because that seems to be all it is with, with Leno. I don't think he's hurt. And then the other side, Massey – you know, he is what he is. He's always been kind of a, a slower foot guy. Um, again, I don't think he's injured on, on Massey's side of things. He's just got to get better. He's a guy that he can win when he gets hands on. And he's not getting his hands on many players this year. But that could be something the defense is doing. Maybe they're trying to keep guys away from him. They're trying to make him be an, an athlete, and he just can't do that this year.
1: Yeah, and I, I also wonder with Massey, and, and like I said, I think his performance is down, so I'm not I'm not just trying to excuse it. But I think... When the offensive line was where it was, where Kyle Long was a, you know, Pro Bowl or, you know, even the last couple of years, borderline Pro Bowl, you know, an above average starter. And, and you see Whitehair playing at a Pro Bowl level. Leno was very good. When the whole offensive line is elevated and Massey becomes basically the weakest link rather than, you know, your second or third best offensive lineman, even if he's playing at that same level, it's not as much. I understand it's tackle, so it's a little more exposed on the edge. But it's not nearly as much of an issue when the rest of the line's
0: playing well. Yeah, I think I think we talked about it before. Last time was on your show, that if Matthew's your worst starter, that that's okay. I mean, he's an, if he's an average player, that's all you can ask out of your right tackle in that situation. But this year, like I said, he's not he's not being you know at least an average. Um, I think, like I said, it could have something to do with the way teams are scheming him. You know, they're not letting guys get into him qu- quickly. You know they're they're trying to keep guys at distance. They're trying to make him move. You know they're trying to make him make a decision on a blitz whether he has to uh, block the inside gap or go outside. And for whatever reason, he's not making the right decisions at all those times. Where he seems to be a little bit out of position on, on, on some of these, these these rushes, and he's not quick enough to react.
1: Yeah, and and let's let's finish on the offensive line here with Kyle Long. And and you 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 mentioned it. I mentioned it at the beginning of my podcast. It's been tough to watch for Chicago Bears fans, especially ones who appreciate offensive line play and appreciate how what Kyle Long has meant to this organization for basically nearly a decade. And to me, I, I know, you know, Olin Kreutz has said it, you kind of reference it. Maybe there's an injury that that's 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 you know hampering him right now. I have a hard time thinking that this is just an injury that he's trying to play through. I've seen him play through injuries. To me, his body's betraying him. And I just don't know if if resting for a bye week or whatever is going to fix this issue. I think the Bears may have a tough conversation on their hands, and I think they may may need to tell Kyle Long that he needs to go to the IR. I think Kyle Long might know it, too. And I'll say this, this is kind of an odd side note. We know how much Kyle Long loves social media and Twitter. He hasn't done anything on Twitter here for almost three weeks. So I think Kyle Long knows what's going on with him, knows how bad he's struggling. I think it's it's an internal struggle for him. I think it's an internal struggle at Hallis Hall, and I just think we're at a point here where the Bears need to tell Kyle that it's time.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm kind of in, in the exact same thought process is you. You know, she had a hip injury pop up on the, on the report like two weeks ago. But before that, she was never on, on, on the report at all. So, you know, from an NFL standpoint, you know, the Bears have to report injury. So if he had a lingering hip injury bothering him to all season long, you know, technically they have to report that. The fact that they didn't report that and it only popped up a couple weeks ago tells me that, like you said, maybe his body has just, uh, just gone south and maybe it's just, you know, unfortunately time to hang him up for Kyle Long yeah and
1: and it happens and, and and i've I've brought this up to a couple people, and it's a it's an older reference, but it, it's one that I think makes a lot of sense in this case, and that's Willie Mays, who was just obviously you know an elite center fielder, an elite player, all-time great baseball player. but when the Giants told Willie it was time to hang him up. Willie said no and went to the New York Mets and had a sad ending to his career. Steve Carlton's another baseball player who played, I think, for the Indians and Twins. Great pitcher. Yeah. Sad ending to his career. I don't think anyone wants to see that for Kyle Long. I don't think Kyle Long wants to see that for Kyle Long. And, and I just I just think we're at a point here where... Yeah, I mean, there, there's plays. You see him pulling, and it just it looks like he's laboring to, to just yeah. get, get down the line. It's just it's just so hard to watch seeing what kind of an elite guard he was five, six years ago to, to where he is now. I just don't think a bye week's going to fix it. And I think the bears, and I'm not sure who the best guy is, whether you want to say it's coward, whether you want to say it's Larson when he's ready, but I think the bears need to make a move and Matt Nagy might need to know it too. I know in his, uh, you know, press conference, he mentioned something that they need to get the running game going. And he says, he thinks he knows what the issue might be. I think they might know it's Kyle Long. I think they might be making, you know, ready to make a tough decision with Kyle Long. But if they don't, I don't see this offense getting any better.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it, unless Kyle Long becomes the player he was, or even even, even half the player he was, this offensive of line is going to have troubles. You, you have to make a tough decision. And the tough decision right here is, is putting Kyle Long, whether it's the bench or, or, or to the, uh, the uh, IR list, there's just something has to change with Kyle Long, and and, and you mentioned his pulls, I and mean, that's when you notice it the most. I mean, it's one thing to get beat, you know, from from a physical standpoint, but when you watch him pulling or going to the second level, and he looks like he's in pain just moving, that's a problem. Yeah,
1: it it, it really is. So, so let's hope that the offensive line improves. However, it is that Harry Heastan and Matt Nagy get down to it and fix it, because if they do, and again, I'm not putting all the blame on the offensive line. There's plenty of other issues with the offense, but I think that's the main focal point right now if I was in the coach's room where I'd want to focus on improvement to see if we can get the entire unit better. But aside from the offensive line here, moving forward post-bye, What are one, two, three things that have jumped off the page at you about this team that you would say for this team? And I understand they're three and two. I know they're not a one and four team. They're three and two, but they got a tough December. This is not going to be an easy road to the playoffs. What are one, two, three things that you've seen besides the offensive line where you say the Bears need to improve here?
0: You know, honestly, like you said, everything starts up front. It all starts at offensive line. You know, if the offensive line can't get things together to just be an, an average unit, it affects the entire offense, but you you talk about the quarterback, you know, you have to be quarterback to make a better decision. It's unfortunate that, you, that the Bears lost Trubisky when they did, because he had a decent game against the Redskins. So here's a guy that was hopefully starting to turn things around and he gets hurt against the Vikings. Um, he should, the way that's looking right now, he should be back for the same game on, our, on on the 20th. Um, If that's the case, that's great. I mean, they, they did uh, cut Tyler Brace, so That tells me that he's at least close to playing. Otherwise, what's the point? Uh, so, he has to make better decisions. He has to start playing kind of football like he played a year ago. And I think, you know, you and me and, and most people agree that Trubisky played decent down the stretch. He got better as the year went on. He played his best football in the second half. And that's, we have to see him get back to that. Did he forget how to play football? I don't think so. I think maybe he just had too much put on his plate. I think he's a guy that likes to, that, that he, he thinks too much. I, I think that's what happens in every, every, every offseason. He gets so much put on his plate. And he's forced to try and try and try uh, read through it until he's comfortable. And we didn't see it get comfortable last year, so I think it was the the, the the first Lions game. That's when we really started turning things around. And then the year went on he got better. Same thing this year. You got to turn it around. And if he doesn't do that, the O line doesn't get better. I think we're in trouble. And then i you know one, one more thing you asked for three. I'll talk about the tight end. You know, have we seen anything for the tight end at all this season? I know with Burton he's been hurt, but, but with uh, the Adam Shaheen You know, here he is finally healthy, and for whatever reason, he can't get involved at all in the offense, and that's just uh, the problem right now.
1: I I think Holt's probably been their best tight end this
0: season. I know that might sound crazy
1: to say. I think he's been the best one, and that's obviously a guy they grabbed off the scrap heap.
0: Yeah, it's it's sad, but but with with a guy like Holt, you mentioned, he could play in line. He could play in the backfield, in the H back role. So if you do want to do some some, some pullback stuff, he's there for you. But just Shaheen, you know. I just don't understand how a guy like that, and, and I understand he's not ever going li- to live up to that draft status, but we see teams every week against the Bears scheming their tight ends open on play action passing. They bring up in the back end across the middle, and for the most part, no one covers that guy. Why can't you do that with Adam Shaheen? Why can't he at six foot five, you know, 270, get a couple passes thrown his way when he's schemed open and then let him see what he can do with the ball in his hand? Because he is big enough to run over some little guys if he plays strong. I just understand this. If you're not going to
1: use them, then what's the point? Yeah, I, I hear you, and I think I think that's where the the frustration is with 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 a lot of Bears fans. And I don't even some of them I think realize that some of them may not is we're frustrated with the offensive line play, which for 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 good reason. And and the quarterback play, we know, we've seen how inconsistent it is. And of course, when the quarterback play is where it is, that's going to be what everyone talks about. But I, I think it's fair to question. I'm not saying you have to, you know destroy the guy but to question some of the stuff Matt Nagy's doing whether it's too much movement with personnel packages whether it's not scheming guys open like Adam Shaheen the use of Tariq Cohen because you know he's really hasn't been good here for you know several games dating back to last season he hasn't made a major he hasn't been atrocious every game but he's not making a major impact like the special talent that he can be you do have to wonder a little bit how much Matt Nagy, whether it's play calling, whether it's personnel packages, whether it's a general game plan, is is running into some roadblocks.
0: You know, I, I know Matt Nagy's trying not to show tendencies. So when he has we have, we have a guy like Cohen in the game, you know, he's still going to try and run his regular offense. But, you know, I'm sick of seeing Tariq Cohen run the inside zone. You know, I'm, I'm he's too little. I want to see him get on the edge, uh, some stretch plays or some tosses. You know, get him out there in space he can do some damage. And and if, if that's not what you're going to do with him, then why is he on the field in, in those instances? She could be a gadget player and be productive for this offense. We saw, it, you know, we saw it a year ago. We saw it happen in sports a year ago. We saw it in, her, in sports with, with John Fox had things going on. So he's a guy that should be getting more production. It's just not happening. Yeah, we we talked about it at the tight end. You know, uh, uh, in training camp two years ago, the Bears did so much too tight end stuff in camp, and they were really effective with it. They moved the ball a lot in training camp a lot of really creative things with those, with, with Burton and Shaheen, you know, where's that at this year? You know, why can't we see some more of that, the, the, the two tight end stuff, like I talked about, the play action stuff? You know, get those guys moving. Gonna get them crossing across the middle of the field. And it's so easy to see those guys open if you have a good play action going on. But again, you know, if the offensive line can't hold their blocks, that makes it hard. All
1: right, so, so big picture here moving forward.
0: Do you, do you, are you confident
1: that this team is still a
0: playoff team? You know, I, I I do think they have enough on defense uh, to keep them in every game. Um, again, it all comes down to the offensive line. I think the big step is, is figuring out what's going on with Kyle Long. I think once you get that situation uh, resolved, and I think it's going to be Rashad Coward, and I kind of like how he played against the Vikings. He just plays the game like a, like a defensive line. He's really aggressive out there, and he likes to finish every single one of those blocks, and that's something we haven't really seen in Chicago on off the offensive line for a while. It, 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 it's been since Kyle Long early in his career, so – He's a guy that kind of plays with that aggressive streak. So I think if you get the, the, the right guard figured out, I think Charles Reynolds has to get his head out of his ass, if I can say ass on your show here. Absolutely. Um, if, if he does that, and I think if you go back to where Bobby Massey is, your weak link, then as a coaching staff, you can live with that. You can scheme around it. But, again, everything starts up front in football. It's got to be the offensive the line. They have to get that situation figured out.
1: Yeah, and and I'll just since you brought up Rashad Coward, and I will say this, I you, and and you kind of mentioned exactly what I'm saying here. Coward explodes into the defender, like you know, yeah. like a a lot of offensive linemen want to engage in the defender and then try and control the defender. There's an explosion. Now I think it's at times, especially with how Roy is, that may he may overcommit and the guy may be able to sidestep him and get by him, and we'll see some mistakes. But that that raw power, aggression, violence. Just like I said, you just see see it. It's, it's kind of like Quentin, you know, it's like the uber-raw Quentin Nelson, the way he just explodes into a guy. That's clearly what Harry Heastant and this coaching staff has seen, why we've seen him on the 53 and not active and, and not getting a lot of playing time. It doesn't, you know, James Big Cat Williams, you know, they converted him. It took years before he yeah. finally settled in as the team's right tackle and then had a decade of excellent play. And I think there's a chance that Coward could be that, that type of guy.
0: You know he's a good athlete. He has really strong hands. He moves pretty good. And when he first made the conversion, he played guard. And then that lasted a a few weeks before they had to put him at tackle here. But I think guard's an easy spot to learn for a young guy making a conversion like that. You know he can get by on athleticism and power at guard. Whereas at tackle, you have to have your technique flawless. You cannot make any mistakes at tackle or you're going to get burned. But at guard, put him there and just tell him to kick people's butt, and he can do that. All right.
1: Looks like Drew Brees is going to miss the Saints game. I know it's 10 days away. I know we don't know what's happening with the offensive line. I know we don't know anything. But give me a prediction. Teddy Bridgewater's Saints against the
0: Bears. Uh, I I think the Bears can win that game. They're at home. They're coming off a bye. You know, they're going to do a lot of self-scouting, and they're going to do a lot of self-reflection, hopefully. And if the Bears were ever going to come out fired up to win a game, it's going to be this coming up on the 20th against the Saints. All
1: right, well, there he is, Lester Wiltfong, the grand poobah of Windy City Gridiron. Lester, thanks so much for jumping aboard. Really appreciate it.
0: Anytime, Bill.
1: All righty, there he is, Lester Wiltfong. Plenty of good stuff there, and, you know, shares a lot of my same sentiments on this offensive line. Lester knows offensive line play better than I do, and and that's a good point there about Charles Leno. He's got to keep – look, offensive line, you have to keep your feet moving. As a former mediocre offensive lineman myself, I didn't like moving my feet. I'm a big – Clod hopping kind of a player. I just like to try and get into a guy and maul him. That doesn't work at the NFL. Players are way too quick. That doesn't really work at high school either. I'll be honest. But Charles Leno needs to keep his feet moving. He does that. He keeps his brain focused. We can see the same Charles Leno that we saw. We got to get that offensive line fixed. We got to get a little better quarterback play. We got to get a little better play calling. It sounds like a lot, but it really is a manageable problem on the offense if. The Bears are willing to have that tough conversation with Kyle Long, and I think we're there. I, maybe they give him another shot here against the Saints and give him another couple weeks off, but he had a couple weeks off going into this Raider game, and he still didn't perform. Now, I, I tweeted out that I would have given him the Raider game off, give him the Viking game off by week, and then the Saint game, you're going to give him 27 days in between football games. That's how you rest a player, but they they... They let Kyle Long play in London. Maybe they already kind of knew what was going on and, and London was going to be a, a, a big thing for him to kind of finish his career. I don't know. I don't know where, where the Bears are at, but I can tell where I'm at, where Olin Kruitz is at, where Lester's at. There are way too many people that watch the offensive line that see what's happening with Kyle Long, and I don't think it's fixable. I think it's time he sits on, and you don't bench Kyle Long. You don't bench Kyle Long. That's not fair to do to him. That's, that's a rough way to finish your career. Put him on the IR. He's clearly not the same player he was. Put the hip, whatever you want to do, put him on the IR, shut him down, let him announce his retirement, give him a send-off. That's what he deserves. So that's going to do it for Bears Banter. We will be back. Next week with a new episode as we gear up for the New Orleans Saints in what's going to be a very important game. They win that one. That Charger game is winnable. little momentum into that Eagle game on the road, which will not be easy. So we will talk to you next week. Bear down, everybody. Adios.